and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're talking about how to have a six-figure product launch using Kickstarter. Uh, now we've talked about product launches before. In fact, I recommend you go back and listen to the Jeremy Horowitz podcast where he talks about using SMS and different messaging platforms to have a product launch. Today we're talking Kickstarter. And you've probably seen even some successful brands using Kickstarter for new product launches. I'm so excited to dive into this topic. I think it's going to be super helpful and applicable. And hopefully you will be able to put these ideas to use. Now, a couple of quick notes before I introduce my guest. If you're watching the video, you probably notice like, hey, Brett, you look like you're in a nursery or a kid's room or something like that. And that is because I am. So at the beginning of quarantine, we uh, kind of restructured our nursery, my son Benjamin's room, he's three, to also be my office. Uh, we're back at the OMG offices now for the most part, but we're remodeling the podcast room. And it just made sense for me to be at home today. So I've got, I've got Spider-Man, I'm, I'm sorry, Superman and Green Lantern in the background. And the show is brought to you by the letter G. See right here, the letter G, uh, just like on Sesame Street back in the day. And uh, so this, this should be a lot of fun. Hey, Brett Curry here. I've got an important question for you. Where will your next big idea come from? Where will your next big breakthrough come from? Or where will your next little tweak or little improvement come from? Have a suggestion. Check out our guides and resources at omgcommerce.com. Are you looking to enhance your YouTube ads game? We have two of the best YouTube ad resources that are completely free, our YouTube ad examples and templates guide, and our guide to getting authentic video customer testimonials. But it doesn't stop there. We also have guides on how to maximize sponsor brand video on Amazon and Amazon DSP and Google Shopping and a variety of other things. So get these free guides, give them to your team, even share them with your agency. Just take advantage of these resources and up your game. Let OMG Commerce help. And now, back to the show. Well, my guest today is the host of the uh, Launch and Scale podcast. Also, she is the founder of Kirsten.com. Her name is Kirsten Ross. And so, Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited about this topic. Yeah, same here. I guess we're joking before. It's like Kirsten from Kirsten.com. Sounds, sounds weird. Like, well, it sounds like you're cool. a superstar. Sounds like there should be like flashes going off in the background, like paparazzi. Yeah. But I'm like, keep it simple. But yeah, <laughs> but that's it's, a, it's a unique spelling of Kirsten too. So don't go like maybe for the traditional spelling of Kirsten, maybe that's like, um, you know, Kirsten Dunst or something. I don't know. But but you're, yeah. you're unique. So how do you spell yeah. your name just for those that are you know, wanting to type this in as we talk. Grab a pen, but yeah, it's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, it's so... phonetic. There's no special story behind it, but yeah. <laughs> parents wanted to be unique, and uh, oh, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. They wanted you to really learn how to be a good speller from a young age. And yes, yes. exactly. Yeah, yep, yep. That's awesome. So uh, really pumped to talk about Kickstarter uh, you know, even some friends of mine in the e-commerce space who have very successful businesses are still using Kickstarter. Uh, one of them is Groove Life, uh, silicone wedding rings. I'm, I'm actually wearing one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Goodwin, the founder, is a buddy of mine. Uh, they just launched belts. 
And when they launched their belt line, they used Kickstarter to do it. And it was phenomenally successful. So, uh, you know, and I know a lot of brands that got their start on Kickstarter, uh, previous guest, uh, the guys from Original Grain uh, Watches, they also launched on, on Kickstarter. So lots of ways to use Kickstarter. But how did you become a Kickstarter expert? What's, what's, your, what's your backstory, your origin story? Yeah. So I kind of joke that Kickstarter found me um, because at the time I've been doing it full time, very full time for about five years now. And since then I've raised millions using Indiegogo and Kickstarter, um, which the platforms will get into how they're whatever. Great. We'd love to know that. Yeah. 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 Um, But how I got into it, I definitely didn't pick it. I was very adverse to becoming a Kickstarter consultant. And here's why. Um, When I first before I like broke onto the scene five years ago, I was working in the construction industry. So I was essentially a, um, I was running a house painting company and then eventually end up coaching certain entrepreneurs to learn how to learn the trades and go from like no business experience to running six figure businesses um, nice. out of university. And so I was doing that for about seven years. And by the time I turned 24, I feel like I kind of aged out of that. And I was looking for my next big thing. So I went traveling for a, a couple of years to Australia, UK. And in the UK was the first time, in London specifically, first time I heard about this whole crowdfunding thing. And I sat through a crowdfunding talk and I like, I didn't get it. So I was like, I don't understand this. <laughs> so anyway, fast track a few months, I ended up moving back to Toronto and going to my first networking event. And that's where I met the founder of my first crowdfunding campaign. And he had this cool idea, which at first I didn't think it was that cool, but um, people really gravitated toward this idea. So he's eventually, we formed a friendship and he's like, look, you know a little bit about online and like getting people sales or whatever. Do you want to partner up on this campaign? I was like, sure. I don't understand crowdfunding, but how hard can it be? So famous last words, we ended up, like partnering together on this thing, I ran the marketing, I ran the strategy, and this thing ended up being a colossal failure. So just to understand Kickstarter a little bit, you need to... Like saying say, how hard like, could it be, that's usually like famous last words, you know? Yeah. And we get into something like, oh, this will be a breeze. It yeah, can't be this hard. Not going to be, right? No, you're like, you don't know what you don't know, what you don't know. So, um, but yeah, so get onto Kickstarter and... You, we had set a goal of raising $50,000. So that's what Kickstarter is about, is you have to set a funding target that basically says, okay, we need 50 grand to pay for inventory and get this idea off the ground. So that was our goal. We wanted to raise $50,000. So if you we, don't hit the goal, then the, the deal does not happen, right? It does not fund at all? Well, on Kickstarter, yes. But on Indiegogo, you have the option of doing a flexible funding, which means if you don't hit the goal, you can still keep the money, hmm. Right. So the first campaign, we ended up only raising about 16000 out of a 50K goal. And at this point, we did not have enough to do anything with that amount of money. So we wrote that off as a failure. And at first, we thought it was probably the product. But after talking to people in our market and starting to do a bit of digging as to why this campaign failed, it became very obvious that it wasn't the product. It was the marketing and the execution mm-hmm. of the launch we're like, okay, well, if it's not the product, how can we change this and maybe do like, you know, relaunch and just try to make it better a second time so that maybe we'll raise that 50K. And so we ended up following the rules this time, getting guidance and 
doing research into how to properly do this and take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And we did. And that second campaign, a few months later, ended up netting us in 30 days, $598,000 with close to 5,000 customers. So from 16K to 590K. And, and how many customers? Like 4,800. Yeah, which is amazing. Like that, that yeah. is even more Huge. valuable than the... 590k, which is which is awesome. Yeah. So, and, and what type of product was this for? Or can you mention that? Yeah, I, I can mention it. It ended up being a drastic failure. Like you know, <laughs> they say if you're not embarrassed by your first project, you're not doing it right. Yeah. So it uh, it was a vest that helps you lose weight through cold temperature. Okay. Okay. So, so like cools you down, is- forces you to you know, warm your body up, burn some calories in the process. Exactly. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's like, a novel idea. Yeah. And the founder saw the opportunity because there were other similar products launched like this where they had ice packs. It was a vest with an ice pack, but he's like, no, I want to do a tech version of this hmm. that keeps the temperature more sustainable. So hired an engineering firm, raised a bunch of capital before we, and then after we raised the capital, the engineering firm's like, um, this isn't possible or it's not possible on your budget. So it was like an epic <laughs> disaster from the first you, day. Uh, yeah, we should have mentioned this up front. Yeah. But now would be a good time to tell you this This won't work. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. And so I can I could talk about this now because A, I didn't create the product, but also like a lot of people got scammed out of, like they got product, but yep. the product was literally nothing like what was promised. Yeah. Yeah. And and I could talk about this now because there at the time was a lot of hate online towards yeah. the founder. Yeah. And I just chose to like use what I learned to set better expectations and kind sure. of use that to the basis yeah. of my teaching, yeah. pick, right? Pick your so. product better too. But but yeah, and, and but really, I mean, the real yeah. lesson here for you and for the people uh, listening and watching is, hey, the, the difference in a properly executed launch is the difference between that 16K and 590K and, you know, handful of customers, whatever that was versus 4,800 customers. Yeah. So so let's let's Huge. talk through this. And I, and I guess what might be kind of fun is, you know, what yeah. are some of the mistakes? What are some of the mistakes you guys made other than, you know, uh, cooling vest that doesn't cool. But uh, what were some of the mistakes you made and what are some of the common mistakes you see people make that go into this thing, hey, this is going to be really easy and then it fails? Yeah. So that comes down to what the heck we changed between campaign one and two. So mm-hmm. the campaign one, we knew that people said online that you need to have a really strong start to your Kickstarter launch. And we didn't really get that until we fell on our face. So I want to talk first about that because that is the biggest, biggest mistake anyone makes with any product launch, whether you're on Amazon or you're on Kickstarter, is not having built up enough awareness to give your campaign that initial traction. So this is super relevant because with Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they have an algorithm that helps them determine which projects are successful and which are not. They have this because that's how they make money. They make money based on every dollar you raise. So what you need to do, unlike Amazon, which is more of like a slow burn approach over time and consistent sales, Kickstarter is like, you got one day to prove yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it Mm -hmm. is that 24 hours. So what you need to know about Kickstarter is that if you have a 60 day period to raise funds, the first few hours are everything. So, wow. Well, so not even just the thing, first day, it's the first few hours. That's crazy. Yeah, because the better you do at getting sales in within those first few hours from the list that you build up, from the audience, 
and all that, which we'll get into, um, the better you're going to do. Because what's going to happen is if you bring in about 30% of your goal within that first day, Kickstarter is going to help reward you with or additional platform traffic that you get by ranking. Got it. So you really need... Okay, so so setting your goal, is this something you should consider when you set your goal that you want to try to hit about 30% of it that first day? Yeah. Yeah. And that's to be um, clear, I'm not sure if we should backtrack into like what Kickstarter is for some people that are... Yeah, new. actually, absolutely. Let, let's let's do that. I think most people know, but for those that don't, yeah, we jumped... Right, like I was so excited. We jumped right ahead into the mistakes, but yeah, what is Kickstarter? Well, yeah, then let's get back to the 30% because there's a clarification there. But sure. um, what is Kickstarter? Why should people pay attention to it? The number one biggest stress that will kill your ability to scale is cash flow right? It's cash flow because you have, as an entrepreneur, no shortage of ideas of products. But knowing how you usually bring products to market is that you need to fork out thousands of dollars to pay for inventory on that new product before you even sell it. So by the time you order the inventory, get it into FBA, get your listing up and sell that and money in the bank is like, if you're lucky, six to eight months from the day you pay the manufacturer. Very cash intensive. Very cash intensive. Yeah. And this is the number one issue with with entrepreneurs being able to scale in the physical product space. So what Kickstarter does, it it honestly it flips that on its head. So we'll get into which products work with Kickstarter because it not every product works with Kickstarter, but it allows you to set up a pre-sale campaign where when you have 30 or 60 days, we'll just keep it simple, we'll say 30 days. You have 30 days to raise a set amount of money. That's based around an inventory goal. So if you know that you need 20K to go manufacture product, your goal is 20K to raise in 30 days. And how you're making that money off people, people aren't donating to your campaign. They're literally pre, pre-ordering your product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pre-buying with the understanding that they're going to get that product in four months. Right. And they're, gonna, and so they're like going to get it yeah. at a discount, right? So the, the deal is, hey, I'm, I'm pre-funding, I'm, I'm pre-ordering this product. I'm going to get some perks. I'm going to get a discount most likely. And I get to be in on the launch of a product. Yeah, uh, exactly. And so by the time your campaign ends, three weeks after that, cash is in the bank and then you go to the manufacturer and you just keep going, right? So number one, that's what Kickstarter is. It's a pre-sale model, being able to tap into a global community that Kickstarter offers. That's great. So I, I know yeah. I know the answer to this and you kind of alluded to it, but but for those that are maybe thinking, well, why use Kickstarter? Like why not just email to my list and take pre-orders or or do something else? Why would I go to Kickstarter? Because Kickstarter, you you mentioned they they charge a fee on you know every dollar that you raise. Why use a crowdfunding uh, platform rather than just doing it ourselves? Yeah. So here's why, and this does differ per platform, but the power, okay, let's hypothetically say that you want to sell a couple thousand units of something and you go to your list. You are restricted in sales based on your list and how much ad spend you can personally drive in traffic to a sales page to get people to buy, right? Whereas with Indiegogo or Kickstarter, when you start to rank on their platform, you're actually tapping into organic platform traffic. Yeah. Yeah, millions of visitors, millions of people. Millions of visitors. And so I'm just trying to pull it up now. But we, for example, one of our campaigns, we raised about with 2,800 backers, 350,000 
And I don't know if you could see this, but essentially um, you can't see this. 42% of all of our you, you sales came from to, Indiegogo's. For, uh, for from. people that are watching the video, will you explain it, you know, obviously, because most people just listen, but if you want to yeah. you want to click share, you can just to, to be far. Here. So here, yeah. this is, I don't want to show the rest, but this is it. Like, you know, these are the stats. We raised 2,800 uh, customers, mm. this many visits, and this much raised. And yeah. of that, awesome. 44% of our funds came from Indiegogo. Wow. So we could have a list of like 10,000 people and yep. only drive it to our Shopify page and raise like a hundred grand. So yeah. with yeah, the so right you, so product- you do the math like, on that, that 44% of funds, you, you could also say that probably means 44% or they're thereabouts of the backers. So you're talking yeah. you know, a uh, thousand people or 1,100 people or so that, that, that were new that got into this pre-funding program, crowdfunding program that, that this- business didn't have access to prior to, to using Indiegogo. Exactly. And of course, like the amount of funds that you get from the platform drastically differs based on your sales volume and how popular you are on the platform. But okay. like you tend to raise a little bit more through Indiegogo's community. Um, but really that's, that's what it is. It's like getting your product onto Amazon. Like you tap into this established traffic source. Yeah. And so. there's something interesting too about... Uh, backing a product on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And I recommend anybody on here listening that if you're not familiar with the platforms, get on there and back something. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. It makes you feel like an early investor or something. I mean, you're, you're, you're actually not an investor. You're just buying a product, but it's fun. And there's in some yeah. ways, some of the sales resistance is lowered because you're like, hey, this is a new idea. This is a new startup. I get to kind of see if it happens. Like part of the fun is, seeing if it will get fun as as an investor, right? So Yeah, because you get to be a part of bringing something awesome that you care about to life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even like, you know, if if you guys are, anyone watching this serious about doing Kickstarter, like it means a lot for you to be a part of the community because you have like a creator profile that people can click through and see what projects you've backed or what projects you've done. So it just really helps. Social component to it for sure. Social sharing and stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. So the great background. So let's let's uh, go back to where we uh, left off. So that that thirty percent goal, trying to hit that in the first day and even the first few hours are super important. So yeah, I'll clarify that a little bit. Yeah. So the goal is tricky because there and you'll you know this is pretty common practice where people online are going to say need to set a low goal because if you set a low goal, yeah. it's easy for the algorithm Sand to pick you a up. Bit, right. Yeah. But that is too easy of an answer that can get people into a lot of trouble. So any seasoned creator, and I'll ask you like what your goal is, because there are two goals. There's the Kickstarter goal, then there's the yep. real goal. The real goal. Yep. The real goal. So you need 30% of the real goal, right? So if we look at some numbers that we say, okay, we the goal is to raise $50,000, but on Kickstarter, we're going to put the goal at 10 reason we picked 10 is because that is the bare minimum you actually need to fund in order to realize the goal, right? Yeah, because if you hit that, if you hit that, you're doing it, right? You've committed to the deal. So it can't be too low or else you're in a a bad spot. Yeah, if it's too low and you don't have a backup funding source from an investor or financing somewhere, like you're going to run into trouble. So you have to make sure that the goal is low enough so that if you only hit just above that, you're still able to do something with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Okay, cool. So, so that's kind of the number one mistake is not getting that initial traction and, and getting backers quickly. What are some of the other mistakes that you see uh, rookies making or that you made in your your first attempt? Yeah. Um, second one is not talking to your market. So we um, the the founder and I of that first campaign are both super skinny and have never struggled with weight loss. And here we were selling a weight loss product. And I have personally never dieted or anything. So I only guessed at what the consumer's fears, hopes, dreams, and desires were. So the copy, the positioning actually alienated mm-hmm. <laughs> the people we yeah. were going after. Yeah. Right? So the second time around, and now so this so is important. A like this, this just applies, and I'll just do a quick side note. This applies yeah. to so much of marketing. You know, the 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 market really understands if you're being authentic or not, or if you're speaking their language or not, or if you're coming from a place of understanding or not. And they sniff it out pretty quickly if something is off. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I really appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, because that's something people jump quickly to, I have a product and it mm-hmm. got to go to Facebook. And yeah. then they wonder why this doesn't work. Because yeah. people yeah. don't fo- take enough time to make sure that the product offer is there. And what I mean by the product offer is that you not only have validated who your niche is or niche, haven't validated mm-hmm. the big pain point and the USP and the differentiator and why people like just truly understand why someone buys your product and what are the common objections that you need to deal with in the product development side, mm-hmm. as well as like just generally using it. If you don't understand that, you're going to have an impossible time selling your product. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's a good market. Just, just because it's a crowdfunding platform, people are excited to back certain products. You still have to have copy that resonates, that's empathetic, that that hits hot buttons that people believe and you know are compelled to take action on. So okay. you yeah. need to make them believe that you are one of them there as like a savior to sell their problem, solve mm-hmm. their problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And like Great. not so much of a biblical sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I totally just, get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So so that's uh, another mistake. And any others that you would list as as top mistakes to be aware of and avoid? Yeah, this one people don't think of until it's a little too late. Um, Shipping. Mm. So charging shipping. As a Amazon seller, when you pre-buy your inventory, you know how much I think you you can like estimate good shipping rates. But when you are going to Kickstarter, you should know. Yeah. When you're going to Kickstarter, you're not buying inventory until after and you don't even know how much you're going to sell or to what countries and what volume to which countries you're sending it to. Um, It's a best guess scenario. And a lot of times, if you are inexperienced with fulfillment, you're going to drastically undercharge for shipping and you're going to get the bill. It's going to cost you a lot of money. So what uh, backers are doing, or sorry, what campaigners are doing now is they're starting to charge shipping after the campaign. And there's a bit of backlash online about this because some backers, people that actually buy these products, they feel a little like misled. And it's misled because of poor communication on the part of the product creator. So two things to do here. With your shipping, I would absolutely charge shipping after your campaign once you have final numbers in. There are softwares out there. We use a um, pledge manager, CrowdOx, or Backer Kit are both great. You can charge shipping prices to backers after the campaign ends. Oh, so these, these you, are pledge like, pledge manager software. Sorry, and, and what what are the names of them again? Yeah, so one is CrowdOx, C R O W D O X, and the other one's Backer Kit. Backer Kit, got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And we'll link to those in the show notes as well. 
Yeah. Um, so those are great to help you like manage address changes, offer upsells, um, charge shipping, and, and I would stuff think like that, that this right? would, so, so I get it that some, you know, backers would be offended by this, but I think a lot of people would, would get it, right? If you're upfront about it, if you, if you mention that you're doing this, a lot of people realize this is a little bit of a different scenario, right? We're funding the, the creation of a brand new product. So, you know, some of the details yeah. come later. But so that's yeah. what most people don't do is they don't communicate it well. They're, they're just like, oh, free it. shipping. And they're like, by the way, you got to pay 10 bucks. So yep. um, what I would suggest, so there's no backlash and you actually collect pledges is you are up for, like on your reward summary when you're like, the description at checkout says this. In the on the page, it says it's free shipping here, but you're expected to pay this much by region later. And we like mm. we just we are very very upfront about and, that. And that's better than trying to maybe overestimate a little bit on on shipping. Yeah, because if you overestimate, you it's probably decrease right? your cart value. Yeah. Yep. yep. Conversions, not cart Conversion. value. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because someone will get to check and be like, $25 for this thing? No yeah. <laughs> yeah. The product is only 25 bucks or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. So uh, charge shipping afterwards, make it clear, make it up front. Yeah. I think this this is this is like the only scenario where you could charge shipping later and people would be okay with it. Nope. But they'll only be okay with it <laughs> if you let the, you know, if, if they're expecting it and if you manage exactly. those expectations. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, any other mistakes to avoid? I think um, people underestimate the amount of time it takes to build an audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one. Absolutely. Start as soon as you can. It doesn't have to be perfect. I have a lot of people who, they come to me and they're like, we don't have our perfect prototype images yet. I'm like, you don't need that. Like, right, right. Need just basic, like we're starting... Uh, one of the companies I'm working with is a guitar amplifier and we did the round, like the version one with them. And now we're doing the version two and the version two, we literally only have renders, but we're like, it's okay because we have some footage from the past product yep, and we're just yep. animating something together until we have like a final reveal and things are great. You know, you Very just, cool. you have to start. So. so audience, audience building more important than getting the perfect prototype or the perfect picture or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because with your audience building comes talking to your customers, comes play testing with people. Like everything stems from you going out and talking to your market about your product. Great. Okay, awesome. So this has been super helpful. So now I know we'll be likely hitting some of the same things, but from a slightly different angle. So so what are kind of the, the steps to take? What do we do to get ready? So we've decided we're going to launch uh, what are what are kind of the, the the initial steps we take? So first off, make sure you your product is validated. Don't just throw it up and hope for the best. So make sure it's validated, and you've talked to at least twenty people in your niche about your product for one, and then you'll have a pretty good understanding of what they deal with. And then the next step is to start audience building. So. I like, there's two ways I like to build an audience. Um, first off, I'm a huge fan of an email list. There's a lot of launch strategies around like ManyChat or TikTok sure. or social sure. media or whatever, but no, nothing replaces email for that totally one-on-one right. communication channel. So I do email, but I want to build a list. There's two ways we do it. The first one, we focus on organic marketing strategies. Organic to me means anything you don't directly have to pay for or pay a lot for. So that in its basic sense is like, friends and family. You have friends and family who will support you with your launch. Okay. Yep. 
Um, and the second will be paid advertising. So paid ads will come down to my, my channels I use are Facebook and Instagram with that. Right. And, and so then are there any specific formulas or, or tips on how to build those, those ads uh, to, you know, launch a, a fundraising uh, play yeah. or, or any of the organic tips as well? Well, we'll do Facebook. So um, a lot of people will go for the cheapest cost per lead. Mm-hmm. And so they'll go for, you've heard of uh, lead ads, right? Sure. Yep. Okay. So the difference is in the funnels. So a lead ad is where when someone sees your ad, they have they just subscribe right on Facebook. There's no landing page. They never leave Facebook, which is why those leads are so cheap because mm-hmm. it's just, a, oh, this looks interesting. Here's my email. Versus having to... Um, the way we do it is a much higher cost per lead, but I will tell you why I, we do mm-hmm. it this way. So um, doing it where we get someone to click on an ad and takes them off of Facebook to your landing page where they then have to subscribe. We make, we make it harder for someone to do it, which means by that extra step, the person subscribing to your page is more qualified because we have forced them to read the copy, watch the video, whatever. And then they're like, no, I get this, I'm in. So the cost per lead, if we say like on a lead ad can be like 50 or 60 cents, a doing the way we do it is $2, Mm -hmm. $150 to $250. And it may seem crazy, but here's where this really matters. When you have someone who comes in from a lead ad, they are going to forget about you in 30 seconds. Yep. They're not super qualified. Not qualified means the, the conversion rate of your list built through a lead ad is going to be dramatically lower than that where you've had to get someone onto your page and prove that they're interested. So while the cost, and this is just how we do it, while the cost per lead is much higher getting them off, I much go for quality over quantity. 100%. Um, and yeah, so that's like one thing with Facebook, uh, like even their Facebook support recommend, their customer service like recommends lead ads because they just want performance. It's like, no, you got to sure. look at the big picture with it. Yeah, and it's good for Facebook too because so, people don't leave the platform. They just they just enter their info info there and now, now they're on Facebook where they can see other ads yeah. and Facebook can make more revenue. But it totally makes sense. Those yeah. 50 cent uh, conversions are actually worthless where for the most part where the $2 whatever leads are very valuable. So it that, yeah. that, that totally makes sense. So yeah, that's one thing I'll say. And the other thing I'll say is I make organic outreach sound so easy. Just talk to your friends and family. But that this really surprised me. Like as I started coaching a lot more people on how to actually go out and talk to friends and family, it is the one thing they get so hung up on because yeah. they feel like they're bothering people. They feel like there's ulterior motives and they just don't want to be like that. They don't That's feel like they're, they're selling like a pyramid, person, pyramid like, scheme. Exactly. They, want, they, you know, yeah. they don't want to alienate family. They, they don't want to sound like that. And it's just like, oh my God. Like, okay. So I just want to help anyone listening to this who's like, oh, that's me. That's going to impede your performance. And I'm not saying force yourself to do it, but try to reframe that experience in that like when I go and solicit support from my network or I get our students to do it, it people, especially at the Kickstarter level, want to help you get something awesome off the ground. So they're inspired by what you do and they want to help support in whatever way they can. So you are actually doing them a favor by giving them some way to feel like they contributed to something bigger. So 
I think it's going to help to get your friends bought into something and then seeing how they can support, even if that's not even financial support, even if it's just sharing it with five friends or just getting it out there. Um, yeah, it, this does not Get carry the same head, you know? negative stigma that an MLM carries at all, right? Your yeah. your uh, people will feel good about contributing to your new sunscreen line or new coffee line, whatever it is that they'll yeah. feel good about that. Whereas the MLM pitch, and we don't you need to get into the psychology of it, but there's a lot of resistance there, and uh, this is totally different. Like people want to hear the story, and so yeah, get out there and do it. You're actually shortchanging someone or robbing them of the opportunity to help you and also the opportunity for them to have some kind of some fun in the process. So get out there, get out there and tell them. Yep. I know. And these Uh, people could be your best advocates and like so many people, like I've coached so uh, like dozens of entrepreneurs at this level. And I swear like three of them are totally comfortable going to their network and the others are like, (laughs) I don't know how to do this. Like, Yeah, so it's yeah. so crazy. So you just get over that mental hurdle. It actually becomes yeah. much easier once you get started and it is sort of fun. And so you got to do it. Okay, yeah, cool. Fun. So we got validate the product, start audience building. And like you mentioned before, audience building really trumps almost anything else. Um, yeah. So what, what comes next? So what comes next? I get asked by sellers, okay, well, how does Kickstarter play into the bigger picture of my brand building? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, what comes next after you've done a Kickstarter campaign is that you now have a list of hundreds or thousands of people that have either bought your product or are just subscribed and they're waiting for you to go on Amazon. So the next step is you actually do what I call a version two launch, which is after Kickstarter, right around the time you're starting to fulfill the backers, you then use that existing audience, maybe build it up a little bit more, but you do that to help facilitate your Amazon listing or your Shopify store. So we've done this a couple of times um, where with Jamstack, the guitar amplifier, we did a two-month long crowdfunding campaign, raised about a quarter million. We then had eight months to fulfill because of some hardware like glitches and whatever. So in that eight months, we kept pre-orders going and we raised about a million by the time we officially started fulfilling. And then we said, well, no, let's not do a soft launch on Shopify. Let's do a big celebration saying we're officially available and put some like, um, just make an event out of it. And that first month we did 112,000 on Shopify. Wow. Wow. And then we just like, so I just look for any excuse to create an event and maybe do a mm. sale or do something around it to get you on another platform. So that's Got really it. what you do. You know? so, so version two doesn't necessarily mean it's like version two of the product. It's like launch 2.0 type thing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Got like it. we are out of pre-order mode, mm-hmm. two day shipping. We got this, right? Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. I love that because yeah, that, that's that's the real key here, right? Getting a, getting a nice product launch. It's great. Getting that influx of cash, whether it's $100,000 or five ninety or $1.1 million with a uh, jam stack like, there. Like, like it, it's all valuable. But if you can't translate that into sustainable business, then it's just kind of a flash in the pan. So that's that's how you can help start using it to build your brand. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Cool. What's, uh, what's next? For... Uh, for the like, for the process, so like yeah, so so we got uh, validate the product, building the audience, uh, launch version two. What what would come next? Right, scale. Yeah. So I find that um, when you launch your Kickstarter, actually we're kind of past that, but yeah, you then you launch on the platforms, but then really what comes next is scaling your business. So mm-hmm. you want to have 
processes in place, really like the habits that you've built through every single day execution of building an audience, you're now in your number one goal now isn't building the email list. Your number one goal is getting traffic to your site. So you want to have a system in place to continue to build your brand, build your tribe. And that comes down to a host of having a really good organic strategy around maybe the founder getting on podcasts, doing JVs with people, doing giveaway contests, having a solid content marketing strategy. Um, and then once you have that foundation good, you can start testing paid ads and looking to scale that way. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Fantastic. So let, let's talk a little bit about platform because I think this is something, one, one I'm interested in, in yeah. knowing your perspective, but two, I think a lot of people are asking, well, okay, do I use Kickstarter? Do I use Indiegogo? Do I do something else? Like what, what, what advice would you give? And I know you alluded to um, a little bit of the differences between the platforms a minute ago uh, and that Kickstarter requires you to get all of your funding and it sounds like Indiegogo does not. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are the other differences to consider? Yeah, so a couple differences. First off, if you're wondering which platform you should launch on, I would do a quick Google search um, to find similar products to yours and see nice. who, what platform does better, Indiegogo Kickstarter. Um, sometimes it's not that easy. Um, Kickstarter's really, Kickstarter is the default that people go to because it's the Kleenex brand of the industry. They have three times the traffic and community Indiegogo mm-hmm. does. But I actually think that... I prefer Indiegogo most times because with Indiegogo still being a giant of a platform, but they're like the underdog. So they do It's a little easier to break through there too. Like if Kickstarter is three yeah. times the size, but also maybe three exactly. times as competitive as well. Yeah, it's three times as competitive, which means it's more expensive to rank on Kickstarter, more expensive to get the kind of community support that you get, Right. Um, so Indiegogo, you're going to end up raising more from their community and they're super hungry to help you. So if they like your project, they you can create deals with them to get listed in their newsletter. You can create deals for support. And you just, you can't even get someone from Kickstarter on the phone. Like, unless if you have like a really, really good in. Yep. So yep. Got it. I think Indiegogo just offers way more support, more flexibility and less competition. Yep. On the platform. Totally so. makes sense. So, but I love that also looking at, okay, just do a quick Google search, see if there's similar products, you know, on each platform and also looking at maybe how they performed and, and uh, what, what kind of numbers you're seeing in the platforms as well. Um, exactly. So then what you, you mentioned before, you know, considering what products are a good fit for crowdfunding, because it sounds like there could be some, some companies, some categories where crowdfunding isn't even a good idea. Yeah. So most consumer products are good for crowdfunding. Um, B2B. So if you have an app that serves dentists or even app that serves social media professionals or anywhere where the, like your end user is the business, then that's not Kickstarter yeah, for you. Yeah, B2B right? professional services. Then yes. I yeah, no. So uh, consumers is your end goal. Um, products, any product ish can do well on Kickstarter, assuming two things, assuming one, there is product market fit. Okay. See, it has to be able to sell naturally and there has to be a need for it, a Mm -hmm. need predicated by you are solving a big problem in someone's life. What I don't advise you to do is- And it's really like a perceived need too, right? Like it's not not just a need that you think people have, but a need that people actually have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of my favorite products that we're launching is a beard straightener. Right and I was on. like, 
Yeah. And it's what Tang, if you're listening, I like, I was listening. I, I He came on and I was like, first I thought, this is so dumb. But then I'm like, A, I'm not a dude. B, yep. don't have a let's beer. hear him out. And he yep. like legit, like t- true seller style. He's like, no, there's like a massive demand for this. And so they created a thing around that. Yeah, it makes but, sense. Some guys have like really yeah. scraggly, really curly beers. I keep mine like high and tight, so I, I don't need the, the strainer. But uh, yeah, I could see, I could see that as a, a market. But again, you got to have empathy, and you, and you need to yeah. talk to those twenty people, right, to get a yeah validate that. And now it's like I'm totally sold. Like I get it because a lot of guys buy female straighteners for like two hundred dollars, and it's just mm-hmm. not. It's like for girls' hair, not for a right. beard, which like right. different make and stuff, right? Yep. Um. But yeah, in saying that, what you don't want to launch is a private label product, okay? So there's a caveat to this. If you have a a private label product that you have customized, you've improved, you've made better, and you've put a brand story around that, that's a Kickstarter campaign. But what isn't a Kickstarter campaign is something you've straight private labeled and there's literally nothing different but the packaging or the, the bundle right? Because you have to look at if someone can buy your product or a very, very similar version of your product on Amazon, why are right. they going to wait four months? Right. 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 Yeah. So not going to happen. So it's got, got to be a brand yeah. story around it. it. has to be some point of differentiation. Yeah. It has to almost, maybe novel is not the right word, but it almost does have to be kind of novel and new, right? Or else yeah. people are going to say, well, I don't just go take something else. Exactly. Um, but what's really common, like if you are looking for a playground of new ideas, just search old Kickstarter campaigns. Everything is public. A uh, project we're working on, they saw an awesome campaign for a product I can't mention, but the product ended up failing. Like, So the campaign did not fail, but the product failed because of deficiencies in product testing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this Amazon seller was like, I freaking love this idea and I've solved this exact problem. We're going to do it better. And now we're doing it. Um, So that, that could be another way. Like essentially you're finding problems and looking to solve it. It doesn't have to be like this new drone or new futuristic technology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It can be, it can be simple, right? It can be very, very simple, but it still has to be solving a perceived need has to be a little bit new. It can't, yeah, it can't just be a repackaging. I love the way you, you phrased that. It can't just be a repackaging of what I can get right now, today on Amazon. It has to be something yeah. new, but it, but it can be very simple. And I think sometimes simple is really fun and easy to sell. And um, But it sounds like you have to have a story around it as well. So any yeah. any tips? You know, we talked a little bit about sales copy and empathy and and understanding your market. But any, any tips on the, the copy and what needs to be there in that brand story? I'm assuming that you know, you're going to probably want to Kickstarter video, right? You're going to want a video uh, and some copy yeah. and some images or, or renders or whatever. What, what, do you, what do you advise there? Uh, don't focus on you. So, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, this is one of my favorite products, the Monk Manual. It's a planner. Monk Manual. Okay. okay. Looks, so, looks, uh, looks leathery, looks substantial potentially. Yep, it's good. I'm like totally obsessed and they said, so we obviously launched that product. That's why I'm super biased, but... So very simple though, right? Like it's a journal? Simple. Yeah, it's a journal. And what Steve did is what I'll tell you you should do. And what Steve didn't do is like the what not to do. Mm-hmm. So, okay. If Steve led with the video saying, hey guys, support my campaign. We really need your help to bring this to life. Mm-hmm. The Monk Manual has been a dream of mine forever. It's going to mean yeah. the world to me. 
all about you, right? Yep. Yep. Versus how you need to sell to someone, which is we created a planner for you to experience more peaceful being and purposeful doing. And here's why this matters and why we want to pass this on to you. Yep. So all of your copy, all of your story, everything has to be around what is in it for the consumer. Um, I think I heard this from Seth Godin years ago. Our favorite radio station is us. What's in it for me? Yep. Right? Yep. Is, is your name. Mm-hmm. YFM or WIFM, whatever, right? Yep. Yep. And so all of your copy, your video, everything, uh, you only come in about why this matters to you as like closing the deal, but you've got to lead with the product you've got to lead with the benefit to the consumer and what yep. problem exactly it's solving. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the the way you tie in yourself is and you can only do this if it's authentic, right? Not you you yeah. couldn't have done this for the weight loss fast cuz you're you're already skinny so you you're yeah. not able to do this. But <laughs> someone could say, "Hey, the reason I created this is because I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated that I was trying all these other things and they weren't working and so you're 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 communicating, you're connecting with the audience that you have the same struggle as them, and you were so upset or so passionate or so excited or whatever that you created a solution, and here here it is. So I think yeah, that's how you work exactly. yourself in. Not I need this. This has always been a dream of mine. Like no one cares about that. Uh, they care yeah. about how you're going to make their life better. Yeah. Like in 2010, that worked. Now it's a product marketing thing. It's a product yep. marketing machine. So yep. it yep. has to be about them. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I heard yeah. um, Peter Drucker, you know, famous management consultant. Uh, he gave some advice that was really more about like life and management and business success. But I think it totally ties to marketing. Yeah. He says, "Don't don't try to be successful. Try to be useful." And I think that's that's like really good advice. We may like, try to like, I really want. I want to. This has to be successful. Like, I have to have success with this video. Well, don't worry about that. Be useful. Right? Like, be yeah. communicate at a level that's going to make someone say, "Ooh, that's going to make my life better." That's going to be super helpful. So, Stephen, yeah. oh, I forget his name. A, a different Steve. Uh, he's big in the licensing. Stephen Key. The end of our interview is like, if you want to help people, help people. Yeah. As yeah. his justification for why they don't do paid ads, I was like, oh my god, that's great. Like, just yeah. be authentic and help, right? Yep, and people will people will get it. They'll they'll see through you or or see if you're being authentic. So, uh, fantastic. So we're we're kind of wrapping up here, kind of near the end of our journey. This has been a ton of fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. If someone's listening and saying, "Hey, I need some more Kirsten in my life for my product launches and to make this stuff successful," where can they learn more about you? And then I think you've also got some free resources and and stuff that people can consume. Yeah. Um, so the make it easier for you guys. Um, everything's on my website. So Kirsten.com, it's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N.com. We have links to our YouTube channel, podcast, and uh, free resources as well. And if you guys are actually uh, considering a Kickstarter campaign, you want to learn more about the process, uh, you can send me a quick email. Something I'm going to do exclusively for Brett's audience is that we have a full mentorship program uh, called the Product Launchpad that'll take you from zero to fully up on Kickstarter. Um, So if you want a free 14-day trial to check that out, you shoot me a quick email, subject line evolution. And my email is k at kirsten.com. k at kirsten.com. Letter K. Kirsten Ross, bringing the A game today. Uh, Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Really appreciate it. I'll link to everything in the show notes as well. So you can check it out at omgcommerce.com. Click on podcasts. All the, all the details will be there. 
And so you can find out more there. But but get hold of Kirsten, check out her resources. Super helpful. And hey, consider Kickstarter or Indiegogo. I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. So with that, Kirsten, thanks again. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Awesome. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We would love to hear from you. What show ideas do you have? What would you like us to talk about? Uh, And also, we love that review on iTunes. That helps other people discover the show. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.